0: Last week, I began with some thoughts in the vein of don't let the fight get knocked out of you. And I want to continue in some of those thoughts today. But I want to clarify that this is not a message that's focused on COVID-19. It's about the heart of the church. COVID-19 is just one of our current battles. You will probably not hear me quote from Kamala Harris very often, but she recently famously said, there is no vaccine for racism. Well, I would like to alter that little and say there's no vaccine for unbelief. In other words, when a vaccine is found for COVID-19, It will not fix our heart. It will not fix our heart. It will not fix the unbelief that some of us have allowed to enter into our heart. So I am saying don't let the spiritual fight get knocked out of you by this present time of challenge. So where does our fight come from? Well, it's not emotional. You can, be, you can be at the end of every shred of your emotion and still be secure in God's Word. It's not physical. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. It's not a physical thing. Some have more physical strength and energy than others do. Um, Some people are physically strong and spiritually weak. So it's not a physical battle. It's It's not a battle of mental control as if we can positive think ourselves to victory. Um, Our mind is a great tool that God has given us. Um, And and many of us are very good at dealing with mental distractions. Um, I know that I've become much better at that through the years because of being in ministry for many years. And you simply have to. You, you have to be able to compartmentalize and and put mental distractions aside so that you can deal with something that is right there in front of you. So our mind is a great thing, but, um, but some people are better in that area than others are. So our fight, where does our fight come from? Our fight comes basically from... Two sources. One source is the word of God, and another source is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in us. Now, when anything else other than the word or the spirit, anything other than those two realities starts to displace those things, then we get into the flesh. We're on our own. And it's not, it's, it's not a good scenario, not a good scenario. In fact, Romans 6, or excuse me, Romans 8 and 6 says to be carnally minded leads to death, but to be spiritually minded leads to life and peace. And as I said, you can be spiritually minded when you are physically weak or even mentally Weak, not up to par, distracted. But the more we move away from the Word of God and the Spirit of God, listen, family, the more we are coming into agreement with death in every aspect of our lives. Um, Death in our physical energy, death in our family life, death in our relationships, death in our worship, death in our hopes and our expectations. The more we move away from the word of God and the spirit of God, the more we are connecting ourselves with fear and death. Many of us have prayed for the sick and have seen amazing results. I I know of people who have a gift of healing, and they can tell you testimony after testimony after testimony of when they have prayed for the sick and had wonderful miracles happen. I know some other people who have been faithful in prayer their whole life, faithful in prayer, and have prayed fervently and fasted also, but have seen much fewer results. They've seen perhaps Precious few results. But in a season like today, when an epidemic rages and lawlessness is in full display on our streets, and biblical family life is being torn to shreds, oh God. But our babies are being killed by the millions because of laws that we ordained through our voting. Yes, we did it. In a season like this, I hear Jesus asking us the same question he asked his disciples in a time when pressure was on them greatly. I'm going to turn here to John chapter 6. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. People were leaving, people were leaving him. They're walking away, I'm tired, I quit, I've had it with this. This doesn't make any sense anymore. He doesn't run after them. He doesn't run after them, he doesn't grab them and say, please come back They make the decision. We make the decision. But then he turns to his 12 disciples, his core church. And he says, are you also going to go away? Are you going to leave also? He just puts the question to him. And Peter says, Lord, where else can we go? You have eternal life. Where else can we go? Um, Maybe a paraphrase of Peter's words would be something like this. We're 36,000 feet up without a parachute. We have no other option. We're committed. Now, you know what, family? I just want to say this lovingly to you, but listen, please, deeply. We all have to get there if we're going to stand in times like today. We all have to get there. Those words of Peter, where else? I'm committed. No matter what. No matter what. We all have to get there if we're going to walk, if we're going to stand in what Jesus called the narrow way to which we're called. Let me go to that also. It's in Matthew chapter 7. He said, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Not because God doesn't want them to find it, but there are a few who find it because they have allowed the distractions of life and the unbelief that is a spiritual force in our world the unbelief of the world to overcome their soul and they don't find the narrow way. And he said, it's a difficult way. Isn't that an interesting thing that he said? He said, it's a way that's difficult. Um, The word difficult there literally means confined or uncomfortable or disagreeable. It's not easy. The word easy is not there. Did we we think that the way of following the Lord was always going to be an easy way? Did we think it was never going to be that narrow way? When, When did you make the choice? To follow the narrow way, even though it was disagreeable, or confined, or uncomfortable. When did you make that choice? Some might say, well, I made it when I got saved. Probably not. Probably not. I, I don't think that usually happens. It might in some cases, but I don't think it usually does. I think we make that choice down the road when we're confronted by issues that like some of the issues I'm talking about that we're dealing with today. See, it's, it, it, it's easy to say, yes, Lord, I, I'm, I'm going to follow you in that narrow way. It's easy to say that when everything's going good. It's easy to say that when the bills are all paid, cars running good, um, kids are doing well in school, a husband or a wife is being sweet and kind. It's a lot, lot harder to say it when you're in the middle of a storm. When COVID-19 is hitting the very bones of your body, like it did Larry Nielsen this past week. But family, if we're not salt and light now, we never will be. We're not salt and light now. We never will be. I still remember my dear friend, Steve Beto, when he got the bad news of cancer. And he said, I've believed this all my life. And it's got to be true now. Yeah. In Luke 21... Jesus is describing what what Matthew calls the beginning of sorrows. It, It literally is in Matthew. It literally is the birth pains, the birth pangs. It's the beginning of the birth birthing process. And he's referring to the beginning of the end times, the beginning of events. Now, let me ask you this. Think about this. How do birth pains come? Some of you have been with someone or you've had a baby. How do birth pains come? Well, they come in waves, don't they? There's There's a wave of hard pressure, and then there's quiet a while. And then here comes another wave. It's very much like today. There's a wave of great pressure, and then there's quiet a while. And then there's another great wave. It's not constant pressure. But he says when the birth pains get closer a birth is going to happen something's going to happen it's an unstoppable flow of nature you can try your best to stop that baby from coming you can think positive you can cross your legs you can take deep breaths but sooner or later At birth is going to happen. Right? And Luke tells us how God calls us to live when those waves of birth pains are beginning to happen. Let me go with you to Luke chapter 21. Beginning at verse 9, listen to this. But when you hear of wars and commotions. Do not be terrified. Telling us how to live. Don't be terrified. By the way, the word commotions there means disorder. I've got this written in my Bible. I looked it up. Disorder, instability, and confusion. Sound like anything today? Disorder, instability, and confusion. Commotions. Don't be terrified. For well, these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. That tells us something. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Where nation there is ethos. It means race, literally, races of people. A race of people, one race of people will rise against another race of people. Kingdom against kingdom. Perhaps kingdom of Islam rising against the kingdom of Judaism, kingdom of Christendom. And there will be great earthquakes in, in various places and famines and pestilences and fearful sides and great signs in the heavens. Are you checking off those various things as I'm reading them? Are you checking off the birth pains? But then he says in verse 13, listen to this. It's an amazing statement. He says, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. What an amazing thing. It will be a time of opportunity for my people to be a testimony to be witnesses of me." Because the word testimony, their translated testimony, is translated witness in other places. It comes from the Greek word martis, from which we get the word martyr, and the reason the word witness is from the word martyrs or martyr is because those who laid down their lives in biblical times as a testimony of Christ they were called witnesses of Christ. Wow. The same words used in Acts 1-8 where it says, you shall be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. The word is the, the word there is, comes from martyrs, martyr. So let's go back to Luke 21. All these birth pains will turn out for an occasion for you to be A testimony. A time when you will be witnesses of me. In other words, he says it's going to be a time when you can show the whole world what I'm like. Wow! Show the whole world what he's like. Well, what is God like? Boy, His whole word shows us that. But a study of His Jehovah names in the Old Testament can give us a real clear picture. Of what God is like. Tells us a lot. Remember the book of Exodus? There's, there's one example of that there that I want to particularly mention to us because I think we need to hear this. Um, if we're going to be a testimony of him, we need to know what he's like. We need to remember, as Cody said, that we're to be a testimony. Now, here's what happened in Exodus chapter 15. God God had led his people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. You remember the story. But their security had been in Egypt, in the ways of Egypt for over 400 years. They had gotten very accustomed to the ways of the Egyptian world. It wasn't God's kingdom. It was the ways of Egypt. Um Egypt was their 401k, Egypt was their retirement nest egg, Egypt was uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, Egypt was Medicare, Medicaid, e- Egypt was all of that, and he led them out where there was no Blue Cross and Blue Shield, no Medicare, no retirement nest egg, no 401k, it all collapsed. It all collapsed. So they crossed the Red Sea in about three days after crossing the Red Sea. They couldn't find water to drink. All the water that they could find was salty. Couldn't drink it. The pressure was on. They couldn't buy water. They didn't have little stores where they could get bottled water course. They got jewels when they went out of Egypt. When they triumphantly marched out, they were given jewels, but there was no place to buy water in the desert. It was just them and God and the desert. There they were having to fight their battles. There was no pawn shop anywhere. Who needs jewels when you need water? See? And, of course, they blame Moses for their problems. So God told Moses to throw a piece of wood into the water, and it would be purified. It would be made good, drinkable water. And so the Bible says this, and I'm reading from Exodus 15, first of all, from verse 25. After Moses did that, and the water was made sweet, it says, there... He made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. You see, when God, when God leads you to his statute or his ordinance, you will almost always face, right after that, a season of testing. When you get a conviction, God's word says this, I'm going to believe it, your heart will be tested. It'll be tested by somebody at work. It'll be tested by something that happens in the news. It'll be tested by something that someone says. It'll be tested from within you, right? Within your own soul. Something will rise up and say, that's pretty foolish. Why do you believe that? So the Bible says that when God taught them that God taught them a statute there and he tested them. And he revealed his nature to them in that place by giving them one of those Jehovah names that I was talking about earlier from the Old Testament. And here it is, it's in verse 26. And the Lord said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I've brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. You know what I've come to um, believe about that occasion there? It only talks about the water, but I think the people were worried about their physical condition. I think that's why God brought them to this appointed time to reveal himself in this way to them at this time, because I think they were worried about sickness and disease. Maybe there was even something in the water that they were worried about. And he simply said, I'm going to be your healer. I am the Lord who heals you. Now that literally in Hebrews is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord, your healer, or literally the Lord, your physician. I am the Lord, your physician. So God was giving them there an understanding of his nature. God has a healing nature. You know, isn't it interesting that Jesus never did make anybody sick? Ever notice that? Read the whole life of Jesus in the four accounts of his life. Jesus never made anyone sick. What did he always do? It says he went about healing and doing good, healing them. Not one time did he say, receive the flu. Um, Not one time did he say, receive cancer. He never did say that. He healed people, always. That should tell us something about God's nature. It's God's nature to heal. Listen, everything about God is to bring healing and wholeness to us. I love that message Cody brought. I'm leaving you well and whole. I'm, I'm leaving you with the elements of wellness and wholeness in your life. My, his word, his ways, his attributes, even the natural provision of food, eating the right thing. It's all for our healing and our wholeness. We drift away from that. He says, you're moving away from wellness and wholeness. Now, listen to this requirement again. Here in verse 26, he says, diligently heed or pay attention to the voice of the Lord. Pay attention to the voice of the Lord. Do what is right in his sight. Not not what's right in your own sight, not what you've decided is okay. Do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Give ear to, listen to, don't, don't discount his commandments. Keep, the word means guard, protect, give value to his statutes. Those are the requirements there. And then he says, do those things. I will put none of these diseases on you that I put upon the Egyptians in the plagues. They didn't know this about God. They were learning. They had been in Egypt for over 400 years. Egypt was the place where their medical knowledge came from. It's all they knew. Egypt had the most advanced medical knowledge of the time. Now, it wasn't advanced by our standards of today. Don't get me wrong. But it was the most advanced of that day. God wasn't saying... I forbid for you to ever go to a physician again. I always tell people there are good physicians and there are bad physicians. Pray for a good one. And people say, well, how do you tell a good one? And and my only direction is this, listen to his or her heart, not just the medical science of their head. Listen to their heart. You want to be helped by a person that has a heart that is at least open to prayer and the power of God. Now, most all physicians deeply desire to help us get well. Almost all of them do. And sometimes what's what's amazing, and we see this a lot in Texas, thank God, we have many physicians and people in all levels of medicine that have spiritual gifts that also... Um, come into play in their medical practice. So there's a wonderful um, mixture there uh, of bringing together a marrying of the gifts of the spirit and their medical knowledge. And I think that's an amazing thing, but let your bottom line always be trusting in the Lord. If you're getting ready to go in for a surgery, I hope you have a lot of confidence in that search you should, but let your trust be in the Lord bottom line of trust. Do you, remember, um, do you remember one of the kings of Judah in the Old Testament named Asa? His story's in the second Chronicles 16. Asa, Asa got into a tight spot, which is, that's where most of us make bad mistakes. We make most of our worst mistakes when we get into a tight spot, and we're desperate, and we're fearful. And he made a deal with the devil. Well, actually, he made a deal with Syria. Same thing. And a prophet came to Asa. And uh, again, let me find this. In 2 Chronicles 16, a prophet came to him, and he said, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. In other words, you didn't even get what you wanted to get by making a deal with the devil. It didn't work for you. And then he says this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. What does it mean to have a heart that's loyal to the Lord? Here's what I think it means. I think it means a heart that comes back to God every time it's blown off course. It doesn't mean we never make a mistake. It doesn't mean we're never blown off course. But it means a heart that always comes back like the heart of David. David made terrible mistakes, but he always came back to the Lord, a heart that's loyal to the Lord. And then listen to this final statement from the prophet. In this you have done foolishly. Asa, you may be the smartest man in the world. You may be a rogue, you you you, you might be a rogue scholar. You might be as brainy as anyone could be, but you were very, very foolish in these decisions that you made and then the bible tells us how asa's life ended in verse 12 and in the 39th year of his reign asa became diseased in his feet and his malady was severe we don't know what the disease was but it was very severe And the next line says, yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Was God against physicians? No. Did you hear what I read before? Way back, way back then, he trusted the Syrians instead of trusting the Lord. It started in those little places of life. Well, I think I'll trust this one and not this one. He probably didn't even see it as a spiritual decision. He probably saw it as a practical decision. Now it just makes sense. The Syrians will come over and help me. They've got a good army. I'll just trust them. To him, it was just reasonable. But God said, Nope, you shifted your trust from me to the Syrians. And now in his disease, we see the final result of it. He sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa died in the 41st year of his reign. Listen, family, he didn't die because he went to the physicians. Please, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He died because he stopped relying on the Lord. He died because he shifted his trust. He died because he couldn't get a vaccine for unbelief that he had allowed to slip into his life. We have to fight for these things. We have to stand for these things. God calls us to be people let stand on the wall like Habakkuk. Habakkuk said, I'm going to stand here until God does something. I'm going to watch and see what the Lord will do. Sometimes we just have to stand there like that. The prophet said, Asa, you need to understand the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose hearts are loyal to him. And in this, you've been very foolish. Your loyalty has separated from God. You haven't stood in in that place that you once stood in. Asa trusted in the arm of flesh. He lost his confidence in God. His loyalty in the Lord was shaken, and he was blown off course. This is the very same message which Jeremiah brings to us in Jeremiah chapter 17. Let me read that portion, verses 5 through 8 of Jeremiah 17. He says, cursed is the man who trusts in man, makes flesh his strength. He says, this person's going to have problems. This person's going to have problems. It doesn't mean God sat back there and said, I'm going to curse that guy. It means what he did brought about the curse. As one of my friends said, if you keep running red lights, you're going to have problems. You're going to have a wreck eventually. You may think you're getting away with it for a while, but you're going to have a wreck. If we move from trusting God over to the arm of flesh and trusting things other than the Lord, we're going to have problems. We're going to have a wreck. Cursed is the man who trusts in man, makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. He will be like a shrub in the desert. That's like Asa. Shall not see when good comes. He won't even see when good does come. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, which is not inhabited. But listen to this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Isn't that a great word? What does the tree draw its strength from? Deep roots and God's springs of life that are deep in the soil of hard won battles of life. The word of God, the spirit of God, his roots are down deep in those things, those spiritual realities. What testimony does the tree give in the time of drought? Here's its testimony, its roots grow even deeper into the springs of life, into the word of God, into what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's not ruled by fear. That's its testimony. It's not ruled by fear. Its leaf continues to be green and supple. Hmm. And it does not allow anxiety to rule. You may have anxiety. Don't allow it to rule. Let it be like that snake bite. Shake it off. In Jesus' name. Father, right now, we do that. We shake off that anxiety. We shake off that fear. Lord, let the leaves of our life be green and supple. Help us, Lord, to get our roots deep in your word and in the Holy Spirit, to get a grip on those things that are deep in our spirit, man, not ruled by the soulish man of our soul that might waffle in the time of battle but lord is deeply embedded in the spirit thank you lord thank you lord we thank you that you are our rescuer you are our strength lord when we sang that song strong god earlier i felt your spirit was in it (laughs) hallelujah thank you lord thank you father for giving us strength. And I pray for every person that's been sideswiped by COVID-19 that's listening to me right now. And in Jesus' name, I say, let the name of the Lord be above the name of COVID-19. We speak the Lordship of Jesus. There is no disease that has that Lordship in our lives. No power. We bow the knee to none of those things. In Jesus' name, you are Lord of our life. Thank you, Lord.